Hello, I'm Alex Mansfield with Manny Things, and welcome to another episode of Manny Talk Shooting, the show where I talk to individuals all across the shooting industry. We'll talk competition, self-defense, concealed carry. If you enjoy this content, check out our YouTube channel, Manny Things. Without further ado, let's get to this episode. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Manny Talk Shooting. Today, I'm honored to sit down with my friend, Mr. Tim Dundery. How are you doing, Tim? Good, good. For all of you who don't know on internet land, this is Tanfo Timmy. So, one the, of the meme, meme machine. Oh, yeah, you are a meme machine. It's fun. You know, like I have a quick mind and a quick wit, and I just find, make funny stuff sometimes. Yeah. Well, we have to. I mean, it, it, it keeps the internet moving. If it's, if it's a slow news day, we got to have memes. Got to stay relevant. That's for sure. Yeah. That's probably my problem. I probably post too many dog and food pictures. That's what makes me my interaction go down. <laughs> but that's all good. You but make anyway, a lot of breakfast that looks very delicious. Do I, I make a fire breakfast? My wife doesn't cook breakfast anymore because I was like, I'm I I don't know. One day I just like I'm hungry. I was making breakfast, and it seemed like I made breakfast the next day. And guess who who's not making breakfast anymore? The wife. But it is what it I'm is. Seeing your breakfast by the time I'm already at work, and I'm like, oh man. Well, yeah. I mean, I I don't get up very early. I work that second shift life, so. Oh, that's right. I'm kind of like I'm like a right in a mid shift, like 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Ugh, I used to work those uh 11 to sevens, and those were always the worst. I hated those. Oh yeah. But I digress. For the yes. people on the internet who don't know who you are. Who is Tanfo Timmy, and how did you get into shooting? Um, I'm just a regular guy that likes to try to be funny. Um, I got into shooting first. I, I, was, I think it was 2017. I was like, I should probably buy a handgun. I'm more than old enough for to be able to buy one in the state of Minnesota. It's reasonably free here. Got into that and saw the price of ammo. Even back then, it wasn't bad. but So I got into reloading almost right away. Um, and I was reloading a lot and shooting a lot of just random fun stuff, basically FUD stuff, if you want to go down that path. <laughs> and I listened to some podcasts at the time that were like, if you're doing a lot of reloading and shooting, you really need to get into any sort of competition. So one of my coworkers, uh, Chad Swardo, he's a big three gunner, works with Memorial three gun. Awesome guy. He got me into a local USPSA league and I shot my first like entry-level intro match I think in like winter of early winter well no it would have been like January of 2018 and then ever right right then and there I knew I was hooked and been going crazy ever since yeah I was so what did you start reloading on then um a single stage lead breech lock oh that must have been rough for pistol I don't know I I've I already had my daughter was already born at that time. So it was like, I was in that period of kind of being a homebody. So, and I'm, I'm also a busybody. I like to stay busy and have things to do. And I'm always just, I'd always rather be involved and engrossed in something. So at least I was home. I might be in the basement cranking out one pistol around every three minutes, but I was home and I was doing something. So it, it didn't bother me for quite a while because I didn't, shoot anywhere near the volume i do now oh yeah definitely now from that lead did you go to like a turret or did you go straight to a progressive after that went to a turret a lead turret and that wasn't terrible and then uh 
once I got serious about USPSA, it was pretty no-brainer to buy a XL650 with bullet feeder, case feeder, and now running Mighty Armory dies, which are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Now you you haven't upgraded to a 750 yet. You're still rocking that 650. What 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 purpose does it serve to buy a 750? A priming system that's a little safer but doesn't work as good. I don't know. I haven't. I mean, I haven't had any priming issues. I always hear people whining. They seem to bend that control rod that comes off the press. Um, and I mean, it might be in the works to get a like a 1050 or an 1100, but. I honestly don't mind pulling the handle and, and the direction I might go is that uh, Nick Gross, I think he's B team engineering on Instagram. He's working on that super awesome kind of a budget auto drive, much more affordable than most of them. Okay. I yeah. Probably, I know what you're talking about now. Yes. I would really like to try one of those out just to keep up with the volume I load because mm-hmm. my shoulder hurts all the time in the winter. Well, if you have a kid, I mean, they can crank the handle. No, probably not. There's four and seven. <laughs> so they can load the hoppers. That's about it. Yeah, right. But they do like one. to do that for about 10 minutes at a time. Yeah, that's true. I can't get the dogs to load my feeders, though. I mean, you could try, but it's probably going to wind up being more work than it's worth. Well, yeah, because I'd have to pick them up to then. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about making a bullet feeder for my bullet feeder the other day. Like the bullet feeder gets empty, I have to take handfuls of bullets and dump them in there. So I need a little conveyor belt on the bench that'll convey the bullets into the bullet feeder. Yeah, that's true. That that what that's that'd be interesting. We'll figure that out. We'll make something like that. We'll get it done. Now, Tim, have you taken any formal training? Have I've uh at first, I think it was, what would that have been? October 2019, I believe I did a Ben Stoger class over in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And that really jump-started me into being reasonably good at diagnosing what's going on with my shooting and, and gave me a really solid basis to work off of. I went to the PSTG Summit this summer. 2021 and that was also really really valuable hanging out with guys like mason lane and jason bradley and joel park and once kim and all those guys was just invaluable in my opinion mm-hmm. i am i'm looking forward to that in 2022 i am oh it's a, a must attend i would say yeah long as the components keep rocking and i can set components the problem is i have to set i want to set off enough aside for the summit, because you don't want to go to the summit and run out of ammo. Absolutely. I, I wish I could share your pain, but I, I'm like kind of irresponsible when it comes to that kind of stuff. I just shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot. And, and that's about the only thing I concentrate on outside of spending time with my family. Right. Now, um, what level of what level of shooter were you when you first took that October class, uh, that October 2019 class with Ben? Um, kind of normal B class, trying to break into A. I qualified or I classified initially as a B. And because I'd, I'd shot pistol plenty for like uh, two years beforehand. Mm-hmm. And it was always kind of always been 
uh, a hoser to follow their their language. I've always liked to go fast, to so just go as fast as I can. And and you know how B class works. You can go really fast and miss half the stuff and still be B class or shoot all the things really slow. But yeah, I started out right solid B class. Gotcha. Makes sense. I wish that was my initial goal when I got first classified, but what happens when they add uh weak hand and strong hand only in your first classifier match ever is not ouch (laughs) but it is what it is but um now you went to the p you took you went to the summit this year well 2021 uh what was your favorite or most enjoyable uh block of instruction Um, it's really difficult to pick one um they were really insightful in their own like categories. I did a block with Matt Hopkins about, he's just got a very simple and straightforward dry fire program. Mm -hmm. Three minutes on three minutes off, I believe where like trigger control at speed, you do that for three minutes solid and your hands are just dead by the end of it. So you really start making those silly mistakes you might with tired hands. So you really have to concentrate that much more. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a kind of a target transition um, demonstration class with Jason Bradley that really opened up my eyes to to looking to a spot and how you can really evaluate and push your transitions and and you can learn by your hits run a drill three times and if you're constantly hitting tight groups but off the a zone you know you're just not looking at the right spot you can kind of learn how to self-diagnose a lot better and then the the finding 100 drill with mason i learned that i'm basically always already shooting near 100 percent. so whenever i try to go faster than that it just crashes and burns yeah that if, 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 if the listeners if you haven't heard of mason lane's finding 100 drill go check it on youtube uh, there's a very in-depth explanation of finding 100, so you shall. Oh, and it helps that uh, Mason is so articulate in explaining things like that. It's he's just a phenomenal shooter and instructor. Yeah, for how young he is, that's crazy. Oh, totally, I I didn't believe it when I learned how young he was. I think like, you're a baby, man. Yeah, he's the he is the baby out of that group. Him and Jay, well, Jay Beal's not much older than him, but damn. Yeah. Um. We, we did get some listener questions. There's well, one, I'll ask a couple later, one now. And that was, uh, why Tanfos? Um, I initially started shooting a Glock and it just wasn't, I didn't like it. It never fit my hands very well. I have bigger, my hands are on the bigger side, noticeably big, I guess, for whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and CZs. It seemed like everybody had a CZ, and I was like, what's so special about these? And then you kind of the I the only guns I really saw were like the Accu Shadows that were like 1800 bucks. And then I saw Tanfos and I started researching them more and saw that Ben Stoger shot them. And the price was good. If you especially if you don't mind doing a little bit of gunsmithing yourself, you can really make nice guns for for uh cheaper than some of those shadow twos. Mm-hmm. And I was like I'm pretty sure Ben Stoger can't be that wrong with what he shoots, you know? Right. That's true. He, But he did shoot a Beretta at one point in the back in the early days. We've all made mistakes. 
No. So you're, you're saying Andreas made a mistake by going to the Beretta? No, it's it's really personal preference. Like the Tanfos just fit my hands extremely well. Yeah. Um, they give me great surface to grip on, and yeah, they just they keep getting better and better. It seems like the more I shoot them. So which Tanfo? I don't know the nomenclature or the naming structure for Tanfo. So for us, especially simple people, what Tanfo are you shooting? Right now, I'm shooting the Stock Two Optic Ready. So the Stock Two, I believe it has like a four and a half inch barrel. The um, those were imported by EAA, European American Arms. I mm-hmm. believe they just stopped importing Tanfolio stuff. So now the sole importer is going to be Italian Firearms Group IFG. Okay. Um, and I'm not sure what they're importing for Stock Twos. But basically all the guns, kind of like Glocks, have the same grip on them effectively. And it just boils down to if it's a single action or double action gun, and then how long the barrel and slide combo are. So I'd I'd probably end up going to like these, uh, it's called the IFG Defiant Stock Master. It's still Mm -hmm. made by Tamfolio, and it just gets named the IFG Defiant by Italian Firearms Group. It's probably the guns I'll look into in the future. So that has like a five inch barrel, some nice slide cuts, and it seems to be definitely be the way to go. Right. And it's, yeah, it's more of that competition model trim package Tanfo then. Yep. And I'd probably do the same thing. You do some trigger work and hammer springs and all the Patriot defense go fast parts and you get yourself a very, very awesome shooting gun. Yeah. How light are your hammer springs and uh, trigger return springs? I was running like 10 pound hammer springs for a while, but I was like all federal only primers and didn't really present an issue, but I loaded some ammo for a buddy with his parts and I think a CCI primer got mixed in. Mm-hmm. So I had a couple of light primer strikes and matches and I'm like, okay, well, this is dumb. I should probably just work my way back up so across this year i've worked back up i'm at like a 15 and a half pound hammer spring now and it really only put on like one pound on the double action and half a pound on single action going up that much on the hammer spring <clears throat> so really not noticeable then yeah it's and it's like the additional reliability is phenomenal it's like it's kind of like those light triggers and all these other gadgets will make up for your lack of fundamentals and the better I get, the less I need all these crutches. Right. So I'm, I'm up on the hammer springs. And that, but the, like, I've got the short reset disconnectors from Patriot Defense. So I've got just a super short reset that helps with those trademark Tanfo Timmy splits. Mm-hmm. And the two pound single action really makes it nice. I, I bet it does. <laughs> now uh does patriot defense make brass grips for that or using like aluminum or they made like a trial set but i don't think you really need the additional weight on these guns i've got they're really really they make a set of aggressive grips that kind of mimic the pt evo mm-hmm. 2011 grips in that level of aggressiveness and i've got those on my guns they're aluminum gotcha and you just slather on the pro grip and call it a day yeah, I mean, these things will tear your hands apart. I know I shot a good match if my hands are bleeding, usually. Yeah. So they're extremely sharp, especially when they're new. I keep a newer set on my match gun 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, the pro grip is mostly for my hands where they interact with each other. Right. Where my hands are on the gun, the guns have plenty of grip. It's just where my hands touch each other is where I like additional, additional non-slip pro grip, basically. Right. And I, and I even say like the pro grip is more just like an anti-perspirant for like your hand, I want to think. Yeah, absolutely. Like I've shot a couple matches in the rain and I just, I can absolutely not perform anywhere near what I'm used to because your hands are so slippery. Mm-hmm. Now, you still have the SIG dots on your uh, TANFOs? Um, technically, no. I, I just sent them in a couple weeks ago, week or week or two ago, I think, to be converted to SROs. Oh, and so you're ready to stop breaking red dots then? Uh, um, what's your over-under on how many SROs I break next year? Half as many as the SIG optics? That's still a lot. <laughs> Is that like what? That's still like six, right? Yes. You still don't have uh, Tyler Northcutt beat. He broke, I think, over 20 um, RTS2s before he switched. Wow. That's incredible. I mean, they kept sending them to him, so. Yeah, I mean, SIG has been nothing but extremely helpful. I just think this specific platform, Slide Ride Metal Gun, is just absolute hell on optics. Mm Mm-hmm. So I've, I've went up two pounds on my recoil spring since the beginning of the year to try and help, help, uh, optics not die so much. And it's gotten better as I went up, but I just, I really got to go with the reliability. I can, I've, I'm absolutely certain I've lost at least two matches to optic problems this year. So. Yeah. That's, that's not a bueno. Yeah. It's not acceptable. And you, you just switched belt platforms too, didn't you? I did for my 2022 setup. I'm setting up a dominate defense belt. The ratchet seems pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, setting it up with the double alpha XI Z whatever pouches you want to call them. Um, yeah, the all cool. aluminum ones. They're phenomenal. I've ran them this year also, and yet to damage them or break them, and they don't slip. The design is really well thought out. Yeah, I love those XI pouches. I have. I have those as well, and I'm I'm never I'm not disappointed that I spent near seventy dollars a pouch. <laughs> yeah, it was painful. It was <laughs> one hundred and ninety bucks for three pouches or something. Plus a magnet, plus uh, plus another. I bought an extra magnet too on the when I bought mine. I bought the the screw on magnet that goes on your first pouch, and then the like a like a just actual mag magnet pouch like for the for my butt. Yeah, but, that, but that's truly for my paster gun, though. Is that right? Like I've AM? actually stopped bringing my paster gun to majors just because if you have a paster gun, everybody else is just going to let you do all the pasting. They do that at <laughs> locals too. I mean, like, right? I don't mind at locals just because I can't. I it's not even possible. I help so much more at locals. I can't take them quite as seriously as majors. Mm-hmm. I really found that out this year. I, I jumped right in and I helped a local club. We put on a really awesome seven seven stage on average monthly match. And I just find myself completely not being all the way there men- mentally every match for that. But I know we're going to have an awesome match and awesome stages because I'm doing the work too. So that's enough. I can't expect to, to uh, always shoot to my ability when you're focusing on helping run a match. Right. And uh, 
that's your your seven seven stage monthly match. That was your outdoor match, right? Yep, yep, that's all outdoor. And then you were you just started your indoor season too, didn't you? Yep. Uh, me and a close friend Harrison Diamond, awesome guy. Yeah, he, uh, he's the match director. I just build this, I design the stages and just help run everything as much as I can. Um, yeah. We do that stock and barrel. It's a very awesome indoor range, owned and operated in part by a USPSA shooter. So that's that very nice. fun. And uh, yeah, yeah well, what's that? No, go ahead. Oh, it's it's there's no uh, restrictions at the range like that. He's got a course you can get holster qualified, so that's awesome. Because otherwise, Minnesota's just a terrible place to shoot USPSA in the winter. Yeah. Do you uh do you go there and practice in the winter then? Yeah, absolutely. I'll be there once a week, probably starting around the first of the year. Yeah, so you're kind of in that off season, kind of just shoot some. I had to force myself, yeah, to take an off season. I'm just. I'm actually shooting production right now because my uh, my carry optic slides are out, getting milled, and production is absolutely horrible. <laughs> yeah, well, you could shoot limited minor though. Well, it's it's hard to see the the those bumpy things on the gun that are called iron sights. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You can you got target focus. Screw the sights, like. Oh, I know, but target focus with that equals mics. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm shooting at the pace of a dot gun. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a learning experience. That's for sure. Yeah, that is, that is definitely for sure. Like I was almost exclusively a dot shooter. I had my Glock 17 when I first bought it and somebody borrowed me their gun with a red dot on it. Like, it's the coolest thing ever. So I got mine set up with a dot on it and almost exclusively shot pistols with dots on it from then on. It's just, so it's, it's more enjoyable. It, it just, oh, you can actually get things done and it, really lets you focus on other things like going fast yeah and you don't got to worry about no 10 round bullshit yes I figure it doesn't hurt to work on all the reloads i've got a a tanfo with iron sights on it so that works out yeah so it's still same gun same reloads and everything so that helps yeah how many tanfo frames do you have like four or five um, four i think it's a good number then I had my first one I bought, and I, I shot just just that one. All of uh, was that? that would have been twenty twenty. I think I bought the to that my first tanfo late twenty nineteen. Okay. And I think I had forty five thousand rounds on it, and slide cracked. And I'm pretty sure they told me to kick rocks when I asked them about a warranty because I had it milled and everything. Mm, so that's yeah. just kind of a the slide is on my wall as a trophy. <laughs> At least you still I, got the frame, though. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I was able to find another slide to, to shoot iron sights on that one. So. Not bad at all. And you have a lot of heat, it seems like, in, in Minnesota there by you. Yeah, it's actually really cool. The, pretty much the whole time I've been shooting, it's been always bouncing back and forth. We've got um, Jim Krantz, Noah Goodrich, and then another buddy, my buddy Dan Bremner. He kind of lives up north and doesn't hang around down here too much but when he does come down it's really fun to compete with all of us it's always going back and forth mm-hmm. until he has to shoot pcc yes well i beat him at three i think it was two out of three majors this this year and we made a bet so he had to shoot pcc for the so, last outdoor match of the year so you were the jeff clothin versus the jeff and uh sasquatch to debate for you guys <laughs> 
that that was funny though. I always thought that was hilarious. That Jared was Sasquatch was so serious. Yeah, Jeff 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 clobbered him at every major they shot together. Right, like yeah, my buddy Dan's an interesting shooter. I think he says he's not practicing, but he actually is. Because mm-hmm. he's or he's just a savant and doesn't do anything and shows up and does great. So up and down. I think he was less than half a percent behind me at Wisconsin. I think he got second place there behind me. So. Yeah, and I think at uh, Great Plains, he was also Great Plains section. I think he was also like less than one percent behind me there, also. Yeah, Great Plains. Who ran Great Plains? Um, I'm not sure. It was out in South Dakota. Oh, okay. It's a fun little match, and everything went quite well. Um, yeah, I can't, can't think much of that otherwise. And then Minnesota section dan beat me i worked staff at that one so i'm completely blaming all of my performance on working staff <laughs> i mean it definitely does drive your percentage uh, down it, it really like. opened yeah well that it definitely it seems like working staff drives your percentage down by a good five or so percent it uh it really opened my eyes to match pressure like i shot the match and i know last year i shot a really good match good feeling match but i was just off the pace by a, a second or two every stage and shot at his staff last year it's my local match so i worked it every year mm-hmm. and so this year i think i just unconsciously brought a lot of pressure and pushed where i really didn't need to push and ended up crashing and burning quite a few times and uh after that i tried the patented brennan conaway method and didn't touch my guns for a week and a half the Iowa section and then I came out at Iowa and shot like 98% third place of lame grease so I really kind of understood what I was doing and when that a match is is no time to be pushing you should be shooting that that comfortable 90% mm-hmm. but it's just, and you should be able to execute it every single time that's the big thing I brought with the nationals also mm-hmm. just yeah that pace of comfortability and knowing your process is going to lead you to success. Yeah, that was the biggest jump I made at the end of the year after Minnesota, so into Iowa, and then got my first major match win at Wisconsin and then into Nationals. So I really am trying to work on that in my head and carry it in the next year. Yeah, and Wisconsin was a stacked field, if I can't, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think we had seven, six or seven GMs. It was enough to match bump a handful of people. Mm-hmm. That was pretty, pretty fun. Yeah, and that match does. bump and sandbaggers and carry optics. You know, you got they got to do what you got to do, right? I mean, yeah, it's unfortunate for us in Michigan. We only have John, our local GM, and carry optics. So if if nobody else shows up, we're SOL on match bumps. I saw John was registered for Wisconsin. I'm sad. I wanted to finally meet him. Seems like a pretty sick shooter. So he definitely is. I, I don't know. I think. It, I think looking at the matchbook, he was a little disappointed. But uh, it was I don't easy think... to take it that way. I don't blame a lot of people. Yeah, but the stages on the ground were extremely interesting. They were. They were definitely Ben stages. That's for sure. Oh yeah, it was like no match I've ever shot, and I really enjoyed it. It really, um, it really made you work for everything you got. So that was very cool. Mm-hmm. definitely now have you ever had issues with being result fo- uh result motivated or result focused 
compared to being process oriented? Yeah, that's usually seems like all I am is result driven sometimes. Mm-hmm. Never been very good at the process per se. Um, look at most of my training, and you want to see that that immediate result. Like even even now to this day, I, I really don't enjoy dry fire. It's, it's a very valuable tool and I have to force myself to do it, but it's, I don't enjoy it. It doesn't seem as fruitful or productive as live fire because you get that immediate result from live fire. Mm-hmm. So that tends to be why I live fire so much, partially because I'm able to and partially because I enjoy it. And But you get an immediate result. So you're result focused, you know, mm-hmm. you, you can run your drill run it again, run it again, run it again, and you start to get that result you want. And that just immediate dopamine hit of running an all-alpha drill, right? Right. So speaking of that, what is, like, your training schedule like? Um, I'm terribly unorganized. <laughs> most people would hate to see it. I, I wind up blasting stuff for the last 20 minutes at the range most of the time. But um, in the season, when I'm working at it, I try to dry fire every day i really try to it ends up being five days a week i'd say i dry fire for at least 10 minutes at a time mm-hmm. um really gotta put some more direction to it because i kind of just wind up thinking of something that i might see in the next match and specifically work on it i do a lot of a lot of dry fire target transitions just because that seems to be one of the biggest things you're going to see in a match mm-hmm. and that's that's always the biggest room for improvement if you have solid fundamentals um i pushed reloads a lot this year because i noticed i was just lagging back on those same with the draw i've never been terribly fast on drawing sure i can do my one second here and there or one two but never never really surpassed that so i try to work on that pretty consistently and if not speed it up just make sure it's 100 percent clean draw every time and then in the season early season i might shoot a lot more when there's not so many matches on weekends um for example this year if it was a slow weekend i might have went to the range friday saturday and sunday and shot 500 rounds a day and then yeah i I was easily averaging eight eight hundred rounds a week for most of the season I think I think I wound up shooting thirty thousand rounds this year. Wow, and that's that's impressive, even with the fact that ammo was down. Yeah, I mean, I did a lot of work to round up round up primers. Let's put it that way. So, spent a lot more money than I'd like to sometimes. But, um, like I just even the meme I posted the other day, I'll quit a lot of other things before I quit shooting so much. So, right. Um, Sorry, job. I need to I need to devote time to shooting. I got to quit you now. <laughs> I've got a nice, a nice setup, a nice job. So it works right. out well. I, I work the bare minimum amount of time they make me be there. And, and yeah, but otherwise the live fire schedule, if I can, I will get to the range at least one time in the middle of the week. I have a lighted um, pistol bay at my club so I can shoot till 10 PM. So I'll usually get off work and come home and get the kids to bed and then rush out to the range and be able to shoot for an hour, hour and a half. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of 
helpful. I usually work on very specific drills there because they don't really like you shooting the side berms at that specific bay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, otherwise I'll go to the range with a couple drills on a Friday because I, I don't work Fridays, so I'll spend a solid three, four hours at the range just about every Friday in the summer. That would be nice. That would be nice. I, I'm not privileged to that yet, but maybe. We'll I mean, I, I, I kind of put myself in a situation, so <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot yeah. of concessions with a lot of other things. Yeah. It was, it's kind of funny for how far I was into the shooting sports, even when the coronavirus started and my wife saw the crazy stuff going on. We live maybe 20 miles north of Minneapolis in Minnesota here. And all those riots started, and I'm like, "Oh my guns and ammo doesn't seem so stupid now, does it?" <laughs> so it really opened her eyes to that, and she started shooting a little bit more with me. But she otherwise has no desire to compete or anything like that. So, right now, uh, when you're are you uh, when you uh, get ready for like a mate when the major match season. Will you amp that up at all, or do you just kind of keep that the same as if you were what you were just saying? Um, I end up almost end up shooting a little bit less because you tend to have a, a match during the weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, I do try to get in a, a couple more, work in a little bit more practices before a major. Like I'll usually try to get out a couple days before I would leave for a major major match and just do some more basic match pace driven practice and then with the cigarette dots i would prove zero every time i go to the range <laughs> to make sure nothing happened <laughs> uh, and and then before nationals i sat down and looked at my ammo supply and i probably had 4500 rounds left so i said let's shoot all that before we go to nationals so i was shooting like crazy before nationals yeah this is that's a good segue. Let's let's talk about nationals. So you came in if for the people who don't know, uh, you came in what thirtieth if I'm correct in carry optics. Yep, I was thirtieth at eighty six point four something percent of JJ. Yes, of JJ, and, not Max. JJ. And uh, what was the percentage of points? Um, I think eighty eight. Okay. So just shy of 90. Eaten, yeah, I got eaten alive on day three in, in that zone C Shannon Smith death zone operation. Yeah, I think, well, ever, I think everyone has said this, that zones three ate everybody's lunch. I It's it's funny, like, it's a it, it's just a combination of, like, perfect storm for me. Mm-hmm. Come into the last day, I was shooting pretty well. And these hard stages and just you start to stack up pressure, all these like Mason Lane says, all these layers started to stack up and you start even subconsciously start to push a little bit. And just just a little bit of, instead of taking two passes on a swinger when you had slightly questionable hits, you roll out and and like if I could have potentially shot uh, zone three the first day, how different the results might have been. That's a very interesting thing to look at, but yeah. Or even if you shot it on the second day, at least then got yeah, your... absolutely. Because if you got in like the first day jitters, it was because it was your first nationals. If you got the first Humorous... day, humorously enough, the way I've found at majors, I do great the first handful of stages, and then I usually have to work to keep my focus 
like my first stage, first day at nationals, I think I shot 90% of stage, stage winner. Mm-hmm. I think I was 14th overall in carry optics on my first stage. Like my focus seems to be amped up there. And then through the match, I have to work harder and harder to keep the focus. Right. Now, what, uh, you, well, you started on stage one, if I'm correct, right? Yep. I was on the same zone rotation as the super squad, just slightly different stage start on. Right. Cause yeah. Cause yes. Now what stage in particular was your favorite of nationals? Gonna have to say the classifier stage just because I love hosing targets like that. Mm-hmm. It's just, I love it so much. Um, but the, my, I think my favorite realistic stage would have been like the first stage in zone C with the bobber and you had to finish weekend only on the last three targets. Oh, okay. I just thought that was a very interesting way to go. Yeah. A, a lot of people don't actually realize that, uh, that, that that's allowed in those type of courses to mandate. Yeah. I mean, I mean, totally. I've, I've read the rule book and I saw they could, they could force you to specify. I believe it was the last three targets. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. It really presented a unique challenge to be able to switch hands while moving and stable up at the end. And you could even decide if you really wanted to shoot a different three targets rather than the obvious last three. Right. Now, was there, was that the obvious plan to go up, you know, after the bobber section and go up and do the weekend there because it was yeah, a start anywhere. Yep, it was, I believe it was, yeah, it was start anywhere. And it was pretty obvious that that was the easiest plan. I believe you started on, on a, you, I think you drew to two 20 plus yard Ipsic targets. Mm-hmm. There was two of them and then one close one. So it seemed like the the three I ended, you ended on otherwise were probably maybe seven or eight yards, 10 yards and 15 yards. So that seemed to be easier than the two 20, 25-ish yard targets on the other option or potentially shooting a moving target weekend only. Yeah, I don't think anyone wants to shoot a moving target weekend only. <laughs> be terrible. Ballsy. Unless you're Mason Lane. Mason Lane, strong hand only all day long. Right? They really flubbed their chance. They should have named stage 18 Mason's Lane. The strong <laughs> hand only yeah. stage, man. That would have been That would have been perfect. I was kind of sad that race gun nationals, they just had to run down the, run down the, the alleyway. Yeah. I mean, I, I was surprised they changed that much, but I think it's good for the competitive equity, how much they change the stages between the two matches. Yeah. So you can't get such an advantage by shooting the first nationals and then the second one. Right. Now, besides your performance, how did you think nationals went? Was it a good match? Was it ran well? Or was it a clusterfuck? No, it, it ran reasonably well. Um, there was definitely enough porta potties. <laughs> they, they they really pulled out the stops on that one, thankfully. Um the the range is a little small for the the size of the match. That's been echoed enough times, but the double it, any any match I've seen them try to double up base tends to create issues. There was a big backup at Area 3 this year with a doubled-up bay. And the memory stage. <laughs> yeah, that would, oh my gosh, that would hurt. 
I, I managed to get a nice plan. I was just really slow on that one. But, yeah. But um, and then that that backup on the first day led to somebody or people some people shooting in the dark, yep. aka flashlight nationals. If you haven't seen the video yet. Have you seen the video? Uh, I think so. I, at least I okay. saw Mason's live video that he did. He put they, him and I, I think Luke Faust put together a very, very amazing masterpiece mm-hmm. of the, the stage run, which is interesting. And yeah, stuff happens. That sucks. They, they made him shoot in the dark. So hopefully that gets rectified before next year's nationals. Uh, yeah. And I think, I think they've learned from that. And race gun nationals didn't seem to have that issue. Yeah, they seem like they're responding well to uh, criticism now, much better than in the past. Yeah, I would I would say so too. Bonus I've, points for that. I'm not taking all the credit, but I think I might have had a small hand in that. Yeah, I may or may not have made about a 50 porta potty memes. <laughs> I mean, if uh, if Bill Duda paid for the porta potties, I mean they would have been they would have been flushed out for uh, low cap nationals. But oh, I mean. I mean, CMP covers the porta potties at, at nationals. Would you like to ask me how I know that? Go ahead. Tell me why you know that. So, as you've seen, it's it's a funny joke when my stickers, my Tanfo Timmy stickers, show up in porta potties, right? Mm-hmm. So I give my stickers to people, and they think it's hilarious to put them in porta potties all over the place. I got pulled aside at one point by Jake Martins and Troy McManus, and long and short of it threatened to be banned from CMP range because my stickers were showing up in porta potties. Oof. Yeah, I'm like I apologize. I I really can't control what other people do with my my stickers I give them, but I will make sure they know they're strictly not for porta potty use in the future. But uh so yeah, that was an interesting situation on day 3 of nationals right before I got to shoot. Might have might have <laughs> made me a little more nervous. That would that would have sucked. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, especially since CO Nationals is back in CMP next year. Yeah, that's that's I think what they were trying to get at. But yeah. So I'm I think my next round of stickers will say not for porta potties on them to really reinforce that point. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that uh I, I hope I know this has been said a lot. I hope they add a couple bays to CMP. I don't think they will. I think the contract has been agreed to, and anything they do now will simply cost CMP more money for no return on investment. Uh, yeah, no bueno. Now, did you think it was odd how they did the double bays, where it was like you either the first shooter and the third shooter, or the first shooters on the, the other stages? Yeah, I've never really seen it done that way. Um, I don't think that made it any different than potentially splitting the squad in half. Mm-hmm. Because no matter what, you got people shooting here and people shooting there. Um, they could have been a little better in getting, maybe if they split the squads in half, they would have had more people to help pace. There was a little slow reset sometimes because most of the people were waiting to shoot the one stage instead of helping reset the other one sometimes. But yeah. I don't think it was a huge issue by any means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that. That was a lot. What a lot of people said. I mean, I wasn't at nationals, so I, I I go by secondhand information, unfortunately. But uh, besides, like you know, 
not having to use your flashlight at flashlight nationals or you know the doubled up base uh, is there anything you'd like to see improved um after we you know we've seen all the nationals for this year what would be something you'd like to see improved for next year Maybe intersperse uh, the variety of stages, mm-hmm. potentially, instead of having a really vanilla zone one and a slightly interesting zone two and just a death stalker crazy hard zone three. Maybe take those zone three stages and sticker them in the other two zones, get a little more variety within the zones. Mm-hmm. There was a couple stages that definitely left a lot to be desired that were just extremely simple stages, which I think they had to do to fit them in the double base. Right. So maybe just put a little bit more thought into some of the ones they split the double base up with. But but otherwise, no, there was they I think they really responded well to the criticism from from uh, low cap Nats. There was plenty of food, even if they had to order a little bit extra at the end. But they made sure that they didn't have any issues there, and yeah, they don't have any complaints otherwise. Mm-hmm. So you didn't, so no, no officiating issues or hokey calls. Um, I didn't run into any. I mean, it was it was definitely interesting. I had a, I think I dropped two mics on the weekend stronghand stronghand weekend stage, mm-hmm. and I had one that was was definitely obviously not a single a, a round uniform hole. So uh, this was, bear in mind, this was like an hour and a half after I got threatened to be banned by Troy and Jake that now I have to call the RM for a, an overlay and Troy shows up. <laughs> so I, I'm not saying he did anything wrong, but it sure didn't make me feel great about it. <laughs> but uh, no, I didn't see anything that was otherwise an issue that I saw. Gotcha. Yeah. And you were squatted with Matt Hopkins, Area 3 Director. Yep. Um, who else was um, on your squad? Um, Tom Castro, a bunch of PCC guys. I'm sorry because I don't know their, all of their names. They're PCC guys. Um, I mean, they're one conglomerate, right? Right. They're all the same. Um, Dave Mann, I think he's closer to you guys over there. No, he's in Wisconsin, maybe, or Illinois. Um, he's Chicago. But, yeah, he's a okay. PSTG yeah. member. So Yep. He's coming up. I'll be curious to see what he does next year. Yeah, he's an assassin. Um, and then Elena, or as everybody knows, or Bonnie Rotten. So oh, that's right. She was on your squad. She's hilarious. I had Is so she... much fun. Yeah. That, I bet that would have been fun. You see, she got her new, uh, S, uh, her infinity gun. Yeah, that thing looks sick. I'm like, man, can I get an open gun? <laughs> hey, you want to hook me up with an open gun? It's got to be orange oh. and Tanfo's on it. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I like guns that run all the time, so I feel like I couldn't shoot open. Yeah, I mean, doesn't he, well doesn't Tanfolio make an uh, an open gun? Yeah, but it probably doesn't run all the time. <laughs> I mean, you, you said you got to be a gunsmith to work on Tanfos, so. Yeah, I don't know, but that's I just keep them very well running, and that's it. Oh, that's true. No, I see more jams out of open guys than anybody other than PCCs, but. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's all. In the, it seems like more of the issue is the reloading other than the. Uh, that too. Definitely. I mean, if you had, if the people didn't have crappy dies, I mean, 
their ammo wouldn't be as bad. I'd like to see a study done on that with Mighty Armory dies. Like, I mean, ever since I started loading with those, I mean, short of my own shortcomings and getting the wrong primer in the case, I haven't had an ammo malfunction in a year and a half. Mm-hmm. I so. definitely have learned from the last two matches. What was it? Last two matches. No, not the last match. Maybe the match before that and the match before that was I had ammo issues purely on ammo. That's what the issue was. Even though everyone tried to say it was my trigger that I put in my gun, but it wasn't my seating. My, uh, what was it? My seating die had walked. Oh yeah. Yeah. They will. They got to mark those. I got some of that like tamper proof, uh, almost paint. Amy five, five, six turned me onto that stuff and it dries rock solid and if your die walks, it'll crack and flake off and you'll know. So, yeah. And it didn't even walk that much. It was just the fact that it was just a little, it got a little bit longer. I think I ran into that problem when I was shooting Glock back, back in my first year, I had some ammo that got loaded a little long and it started to chamber hard. Mm -hmm. I ran into that one day. Yeah. Reloading is definitely a process to learn and then obsess over if you want to have quality ammo. Right now, what what turned you on to the Mighty Armory dies? Um, when I first got into them, they just uh, seemed like they put the most thought and development into their sizing dies. Like, that's where they started with sizing dies, and it just was really well thought out. And it's um, there's no carbide inserts; so you can't accidentally pull those apart. I pulled a Lee die apart back in the day by accident didn't lube a case enough and it yanked it out but um it's high quality materials and really really high quality machining they've got the primer flicker it'll flip the old primers out so you don't get any pullback i ran into that on the dill and die when i first got my 650 kept pulling primers back in and then i blast one off when i try to see the primer that's <laughs> in the case it's hard to get a primer in it have you blown any primers off on your press yet no Luckily I think not. that's why they changed the 750 to prevent primers from blowing up. Yeah, and you don't have to do deal with the weird pin, like the pin, the the phone dial. Yep. But so we got that sorted out, and and yeah, the the like I just started got the newest Mighty Armory sizing die. They actually partnered with, I believe, Fail Zero, and they've got their that for like proprietary nickel boron coating. Mm-hmm. inside the reloading die oh it's so amazing i it, it feels like i don't have a case in the sizing die when i size now Ooh, that, that must be nice yeah i got a video i'm horrible at that kind of stuff so i'm trying to splice together a video i got the die set so i got them all adjusted up and put on the press and, and it's looking like it's going to make some really really good ammo so keep my streak alive of non-ammo related malfunctions yeah and that's the word Especially if people don't know, understand what they're diagnosing, they could, you know, blaming the gun when it's actually their ammo's issues. Yeah, I, I actually ran into an issue at, I think, three different majors this year that I thought it might have been an extractor at the Minnesota match and cleaned it and tested it, tested it, didn't have any problems again. And then at Iowa, I had a jam on a weekend shooting stage. I thought it was because I just limp-wristed, really limp weekend and caused the jam. And then at Wisconsin, I had the same style of jam. 
And it just so happened Stoger was watching me shoot that stage because he was just hanging out. So I was on the squad with like Quansic and a bunch of other cool people. And Stoger says, give me that mag. And he puts a couple rounds in it and strips the first one out super easily. He's like, oh, this mag is worn out. I'm like, wow, that's the mag that's failed me in two other majors so far this year then. <laughs> so I showed me that real quick. So obviously if anybody knows about Tanfos, it's that dude. Right. So took them. I took the mag apart and checked the tube away right then and there. So ever since then, I haven't had any further problems. But it was neither an ammo nor a, a gun problem specifically. It was just a worn out mag tube. So now I know how to test those a little better. Yeah. Yeah, that's always that's always nice, especially like. I know this is gonna sound like a commercial, but if you're not a part of the PSTG, you guys probably should. There's a lot of wealth of information there. Oh, it's just so much. It's it's really cool because like i think ben just did that whatever mustang racing experience he said he's gonna put videos of that up there oh yeah i forgot about like, that was looking cool. put up a video of uh lane grease and one of his like close quarters combat um what, is, what was it combative handgun techniques that was the name i believe mm-hmm. like lane is just one human muscle i stayed with him and a couple other guys at nationals and lane is just awesome he, he shoots guns and wrestles dudes in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. That's all he does. Yeah. So you, <laughs> He's very knowledgeable in both topics. Yeah. And that's that's always cool. I, I don't know much about Lane, so I'm going to have to look into him. He stays pretty quiet. He just works enough to afford to shoot the, do the two hobbies he has, and that's about the extent of it. Yeah. He's more over there by uh, Joel, isn't he? Yeah, somewhere near Omaha, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's always... It's cool to know who knows who, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you so at Nationals, you got to go to the crawfish boil, didn't you? I did somehow because it like I think it ended up Luigi came down. A bunch of people, a bunch of shooters were staying at the same condos we were. Mm-hmm. So somehow I weaseled my way into there. I don't really remember. We were quite inebriated at that point. <laughs> well, yeah, there was. <laughs> but, it was probably fire food, though, that's for sure. Oh, it was amazing. I've never had anything like it. I was like, I guess they're doing what? I've never had any of that. And I think Luigi was like, are you serious? Come on up. <laughs> so it was a very cool experience. Yeah. Did you get to talk to Phil Strader while you were there? Um, No, I don't think so. I don't think he was there at that point. Yeah. No, and he was shooting Super Squad, I believe. Mm-hmm. But so you totally take would you would you even take your PCC brethren on your squad again if you had to? Yeah, they were they were good about pasting and resetting. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't know. Everybody sure makes fun of PCC. It's just because it's the easiest thing to mean. Well, yeah, I that and Rebo. I don't care either way, as long as they don't take their 30-minute make ready and and try to be quick when they're uh, unloading and chilling clear and flagging and all that business. Yeah. Now, uh, did you think, well, was nationals, was there a point at nationals where it was punishing the PCC yet favoring the pistol or vice versa on some stages? I don't think it ever favored the pistol. There was a lot of things that you could tell that were strictly designed to, you, I guess you'd have to say challenge rather than punish pcc's mm-hmm. but obviously they really couldn't pepper in the distance you should you should to challenge a pcc 
there's no reason you shouldn't have a hundred yard targets in a PCC nationals. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a lot of odd positioning, tight, tight leans, especially to the left. It's funny because Elena's a, a left-handed PCC shooter. So every once in a while, she'd just be able to crush one of these positions that all the regular right-handed PCC shooters couldn't. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the combination of strong hand weekend really, uh, made it interesting for PCC. Yeah. Did she have, did she have a right-handed PCC or did she have a left-handed PCC? Remember paying that close attention. I'm guessing she just had a right-handed PCC though. Yeah. I don't, I'd hope, I, I, I kind of actually wonder now if there actually is a left-handed variant of a PCC. Somebody's got to make one. It's probably just obscure and crazy. Yeah, that's probably true. So, Tim, now that the season's kind of over and we're kind of, I know a lot of us are already preparing for 2022, what uh, matches are you looking forward to uh, going into 2022? Um, I'm already registered for Area 6. That opened up like a week or two ago. And I said, why not? That sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so area six, I'm going to fly out. Hopefully I assume I can get in on the list and register for dragon's cup. Cause I already booked a flight in a rental car. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> You're the like... prices are good, man. The prices are good. So like, I better jump on this. Yeah. Um, so dragon's cup out in Odessa, Texas. That's going to be really awesome. I've heard really good things about that. Yep. Um, I think I'm going to do the Ozark Classic. That's down near Springfield, Missouri. That's in late March. So that ends up being my first major for the year. So that's a nice way to kick it off and get a baseline. Mm-hmm. I shot it last year. And um, it's a good match. They they needed, I think they need to do a little work on organization, which it sounds like they're doing. And this year should be pretty awesome. Uh-huh. Um, so we have that. And then it really kind of depends on where area three is at i've heard it's probably going to be back at grand island so you're going to get a golf cart right maybe it really depends on when the dates are because it sounds like it might be one week before area five if they stick with the traditional date yeah and i'd much rather shoot area five just because i've never shot it so yeah that's yeah because they were usually the end of july yes area three and yeah area five will be the first weekend the following August. weekend yeah. yeah so i'd probably err on the side of area five um and then minnesota and wisconsin section hopefully great plains section i don't think i can do iowa because it's going to be the week before weekend before nationals now mm-hmm. and i got to be home enough to make the wife not completely completely resent me <laughs> i mean long as you're paying the bills right that's half of the battle Man, she just got a new job and she's paying the bills now. <laughs> oh, all right. So all the all the work money's going towards guns and ammo. <laughs> right. I'm like, oh man. And obviously it's easy to miss my children, so I really gotta take right. the time that I can. I'm pretty excited. I'm bringing both of them without uh, deer hunting this weekend, this coming weekend. Oh, that'll be. F- oh, that's that's right. That's starting up. That'll be fun. Yeah. Um. But so back to the majors um whenever the Cornhusker classic whatever if they do that again that was really awesome that was a very good match ben stoker pro shop sponsored Cornhusker classic and then nationals hopefully 
So it really depends on what lands where and how much I can convince my wife to let me go to. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> so. that's true. It's all the, the brownie points you rack up during the year, right? Definitely. Now like I think I I think I shot eight majors this year. Mm-hmm. So we had no shortage of them, that's for sure. Yeah, and your list doesn't seem very short at all for next year either. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to try and space them out and do approximately one a month because then I'm not gone too much and and all that stuff. So we'll yeah. see how the spacing works. Yeah, and then um, how close is your local to home? I have a very lucky situation, honestly. Um, the only issue is my work schedule prevents me from going to most of the weeknight ones. Mm-hmm. But when I can sneak out, there's a Wednesday night local weekly in the summer. That's 30 minutes from my house. There's a Thursday night local. That's 30 minutes from my house. There is. Um, most of them don't do a, a weekly weekend match. Mm-hmm. We do have like a point series in Minnesota. So for most of the weekends, I think they end up having seven or eight points matches. You'll have a match somewhere around the state. The farthest you'd have to drive is two and a half hours. Okay. Um, and then the club I help out with is at a, at a range. It's only about half an hour from my house. And we do our once a month, that monthly match. But uh, yeah, I've got a pretty nice, my home range is also half an hour from my house. So actually 25 minutes, but. Yeah, that's not too bad at all then. Um, now this is something I like to ask everybody. What is something that current Timmy would like to tell past Timmy about shooting? Be more organized and more deliberate with your practice. (laughs) If I would have kept far better track of all the ammo I've shot, I'd probably be way better. (laughs) I mean, you already, you were top, like in the heat this year, this, the, the field was stacked with heat. So, I mean, I wouldn't be ashamed of 30th at all. I'm not. I, di- I didn't have too many expectations. Just I wanted to go into it knowing I shot that that uh, 85 90% match mode that I've been working on. And I did a pretty good job of it up until that day three. And I just got a little bit loose and dropped a couple mics on mostly on moving targets. Gotcha. But, but yeah, so definitely not upset. I, if you look at my percentage and compared to last year's carry optics, I'd have been 16th mm. approximately. So I'm like, okay, ballpark this, ballpark that. I definitely came a lot farther than I thought I would this year. I probably chronically under underestimate ability, but I'd rather do that than overestimate. Right. And yeah, be a little more humble than cocky about it. Definitely. Yeah. Now, would you say that this year's Nationals is more of a true test of the field, I would say? Because last year they had to deal with half of the big and most of the top heavy hitters were still shooting production. Yeah, that's an interesting point to to look at both directions. I mean, it's it's a I guess it makes it a better test of the available skill in the country, right? Because mm-hmm. everybody who could be there is there. And you just it'd be interesting to see it from the standpoint of, okay, this is my primary division. I'd like to compete against everybody else who's, this is their primary division. Right. But, but then you get the other people. It's like, yeah, they're, they're also good too. So let's get them all in the mix and, and test yourself against the best. 
Yeah, because I did not see JJ winning carry optics nationals. Yeah, that was very interesting the way that worked out. I didn't I was they were on the same rotation as me, so I didn't really get to see him shoot very much. Right. But I think I think just some of that pressure got to Max potentially. Mm-hmm. I heard he had some gun issues with one of his one or multiple of his guns. Okay, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't hear that. That would that'd be terrible. That sucks. That's a sucky way to to lose points at a match for sure. Mm-hmm. Like it, Max typically doesn't miss things. So I, I mean, he could have had an off day, but yeah, he had like eight mics that are not. It doesn't sound like Max. Yeah, I think I wound up the match with four or five. I don't recall. Four or five, and I only really earned one of them. Yeah. So it's like, oh, man, you know. I think I managed to put two mics into the little hard-covered tape strip on the Death Swingers from the one stage. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. that Was that the ammo can stage? That was the one before it with those half Ipsic targets. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's where, like, I, I just got stupid, reverted to the hoser in me that said, blaze it and go. If I would have just ate a second and took a second pass, it would have been no trouble at all. Right. So just that hindsight on little things. Very much true. Now, um, I want to talk about this team you've formed with Mr. Matt Hempel. these thick boys what are thick boys thick boys pretty open interpretation but it's not too hard to understand obviously i'm not small Mm -hmm. and it's no never fails at at every major match i will get a comment from an ro on some stage like wow i didn't expect you to move like that (laughs) like right I've, i've learned to inform the ro's sometimes like i'm gonna be coming at you a lot faster than you think so watch out. <laughs> These little legs can move. Right? They may be short, but keep them moving. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like the whole Team Thick Boys just randomly started Matt Hempel. He's such a funny guy. I don't even remember how it got started. But it started as a joke, obviously. And I think it was at one point over the summer where the AC went out of my house. I made a post about it. He messaged me, do you need Team Thick Boys assistance? I'm like, <laughs> Do you want to come here and put an air conditioner in my house? He's like, no, but I can come there and drink beer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, I don't know. We just kind of fun to get out that idea of an Instagram page. And like a little group, everybody's got some sort of shooting team. So, figured why not make one that kind of all-inclusive, but centers around the thick boy. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, just help everybody get some content out there it kind of tapered off now as the year went on or as the season comes to a, a close but mm-hmm. we get it fired back up and running well when we get shooting again in the spring yep you got a uh, your uh, poor college kid uh manager right the manager magnus yep it was actually his idea to make a page and i'm like i don't have the time to do that kind of stuff so if you want to do it be my guest Right, yeah. He fired it all up, and I, we both kind of do what we can and all that stuff. Yeah. Magnus did actually submit a question. He was like, when will, you, when will Tim ever get the cow hat? <laughs> he has that goofy frog hat, and he wants me to get an animal hat. But I don't really want to wear a hat. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't blame you. 
You don't He's normally you don't normally wear a hat when you shoot, do you? Generally, no. It's nice to have if the sun's kind of annoying, but otherwise, I generally don't. Yeah, because you put your GoPro strap thing on most of the time. Yeah, I had it on a hat, and then the hat gets really heavy. Mm-hmm. So all sorts of goofy stuff. I'm looking at that into that new Opkicks camera, I believe it's called. Oh, the little square thing that's super yeah, nice. they look pretty awesome. So hopefully I'll get one of those. They're just expensive. And it's like, do I need primers or do I need cameras? Primers. <laughs> Always need primers. I mean, luckily enough, they've been available lately. Like, even if they're yeah. two thousand a bundle, I I won't bite if they're one thousand packs because it's not worth the hassle. Yeah, it's just terrible. Yeah, you you got to get lucky and catch them on like I think it's the Natchez Shooters Supply, and they allow you ten thousand at a go. Yep, I believe so. It's either five or ten. Yeah. Yeah, the last one I saw we got into was ten thousand. Ended up being eight hundred and seventy bucks for ten thousand of them. That's not so, too awful bad then. I mean, it's still yeah. not great prices, but it's fun when you reload. You can disconnect yourself from the price. Oh, yeah. I spent eight hundred seventy bucks, but just over the course of shooting them all, you don't you don't feel as bad. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's like, but it's much rather spend that on primers than loaded ammunition. Oh, totally. It's like all this ammo crunch stuff hit, and I've helped a lot of other people because I had more spare time at different times of the day than a lot of people. So that's how I came into a lot of primers was stopping at local stores mm-hmm. a lot. And obviously, the primers were for me, but if somebody was looking for loaded ammo, I'd keep an eye out and got a lot of loaded ammo for people. And yeah, I've seen the price of some of that. I like, I haven't bought factory ammo outside of. 22 shells and shotgun in four or five years probably (laughs) yeah well and you live pretty close to federal if i'm not mistaken oh yeah it's actually hilarious that was all the primers i was getting at my local sportsman's warehouse were federals and i think you could draw a line in the federal ammo plant is less than a mile from that sportsman's warehouse so it's like do they just like drive them over here i'm like can i just drive over there and get some primers Right. I mean, Matt Hopkins, can we get a hookup, please? Well, it's funny. I know a couple, a bunch of local guys that work there, like Casey Reed and Luke Faust both work there. So it's like, man, guys, can you get primers? Yeah. I, I wish, I wish we had that kind of hookup. Don't you? That'd be amazing. Be like, just let me work on the weekends. Like, you know, primer discount or work. Literally pay me in primers. Right, not by by the brick, not by the sleeve, though. Definitely, right. That is, yeah. We all need primers, but yeah, I I don't buy loaded ammunition unless it's like you said, twenty twos or shotgun. It's even even two two three. I won't buy two two. I won't load two two three because I don't feel like it. Yeah, it's it's debatably up and down. Since I got my 650 able to do that, I can really crank some two to three out. It's actually going to start shooting that a little bit more for fun this winter, I think, before I get back into heavy duty USPSA practice. Yeah. So, and well, then, mm-hmm. oh, but yeah, like even, even my hunting stuff, it's really cool. The last I shoot a 300 blackout for deer. So I load all that myself and, uh 308 and i shot a black bear last season last fall with a 308 i loaded myself and that's nothing cooler than that is loading your own ammo to hunt with even 
Yeah, and I guess probably you probably still have your turret and your single stage, so you don't have to too much booger up uh, your 650 unless you really want to. Yeah, absolutely. Just go single stage with all that stuff, actually. Yeah. I'm seeing yeah. my single stage is at my, my uh, dad's house right now because he started to dabble in reloading. So I said, you can use this until I need it back. Right. That's true. I mean, I, I need to get a single stage for like... Uh, I, I recently, inher- well, last year, I inherited a 357 Magnum uh, revolver. Oh, it's a, awesome. It's a, it's a hunting revolver. It's a Dan Wesson. Thing's got an eight-inch barrel. It's heavier than... Nice. Thing's so heavy. But I need to. I don't feel like ordering a bunch of Dylan parts, so I think I'll just order a single stage and. Yeah, for the so, amount you might shoot, that is totally worth it. Like, that's a big part of why I got into reloading is I could just shoot all this ridiculous calibers and for no more money. Like, mm-hmm. got a ten millimeter and a forty-four Magnum and a four fifty-eight SOCOM, and <laughs> because I for the longest time I even cast bullets too, so you can like I cast a five hundred grain bullet for a four fifty-eight SOCOM. And it's free because I can get lead wheel weights from work. Oh, that's right. And then you melt them bitches down. And... You know, that's how you get your lead levels really high. So be very careful. <laughs> Do that outside in a well-ventilated area. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Do not mess around with that if you're not sure what to do. Right. Now, we are getting near the end of this, Tim. Um, but we, we got to pay the bills to the sponsors. So who are your sponsors? I'm currently working with Mighty Armory. They uh, kind of, Wayne reached out to me actually and really helped me understand that, wow, okay, I'm getting good at this and maybe some people would like me to represent them. So we really started out with Mighty Armory um, to make just extremely high quality reloading dies. There's they're second to none in my experience. There's just more um, thought and research and time put into the design and uh, material usage on their dies. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm shooting brass monkey bullets. Working with working with them. They're just a great coated bullet. The coating is, is definitely high quality, so it doesn't smoke as bad as some of the lesser counterparts. Did you get the green ones yet? Yep, my latest. I, I stocked up for next year, and I got a bunch of the green ones. They got they've taken a slight green tint. He was uh very worried when he was looking in the new new uh supply chain basically just a higher quality coating but they didn't really have the same gold mm-hmm. like if the quality is there who really cares about the color so yeah they still look brass well brass and copper kind of turn gold any well green yeah, anyway. and i'd say the new coating is even just a little bit more robust than the old stuff potentially oh that's good so, to know then yeah it keeps you keeps you from smoking it out too bad and uh just just kind of started working a little bit with Nathan at that DivTech Magnets, DivTech shop, I believe. Mm-hmm. He makes the 3D printed stuff. It's actually a really cool little magnet. I used it on the weekend reload at Nationals. He's uh, like, a lot of people have the double alpha one, but I found the double alpha magnet was too strong. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't get my mag off it reliably, but the DivTech one is chrome plated. So your mag actually can slide off of it. So that's worth people looking into if they're still in the magnet game haven't got one yet or are setting up a new rig like i just did yep i've got uh i'm getting mine soon that'll be here eventually um i'm not officially sponsored by patriot defense but they make the best stuff for tampos hands down and they're about the only person that makes only company that makes tampo parts 
So they're just a phenomenal little company, Company generally a, like a family-run operation. Um, and I'm looking forward to working something out with them, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And then my local indoor club, Stock and Barrel, they got two locations in, in uh, the Twin Cities here in Minnesota that they sponsor me also. And that's where we run our indoor league in the winter. So very awesome, accommodating range. Yeah. And you said that was ran by a USPSA shooter, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe he's part owner, kind of hands-off management, but he can he rolls in there and does whatever he wants. There's none of those silly rapid fire rules. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can take a class and you're able to draw from a holster at the line and stuff. So it's very, very helpful to be able to practice like that, not your traditional one shot per second gun on the bench FUD indoor range. Right. Yeah, we don't need no more of those. That's for sure. So that's everyone who supports you. And uh, I think it's going to be time to thank the listeners for watching. And, oh, wait, we can't end this yet. Tim, where can they find you? Oh, I'm on Instagram. The infamous Tanfo Timmy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. If you haven't seen me yet, you probably will some more. We're going to. I think things are going to get spicier before they calm down. So, yeah, that's true. That is definitely for sure true. You don't have a YouTube or anything? Oh, I do have a YouTube. It's just uh, my name, Tim Dundery, D U N D E R I. I should come up with a cool, I guess I should change that to Tampo Timmy. I don't know why I haven't done that yet. So, I'll probably do that right after we're done here. <laughs> there you go. Yes. Find him on Instagram, find him on YouTube. Uh, hit him up in the DMs. He's, you know, Tim always, Tim's always on Instagram, even when he's at work. So my job's not Instagram. Man. I mean, we could make it Instagram. We just need to be one of them influencers. I mean, some might say I'm trying to influence things right now as we speak, right? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, we need to do them. Send us free shit and we'll, we'll talk about it. Kind of send me, you know. Send me this vacuum right. cleaner, and I'll tell you how well it do- picks up dog hair. <laughs> or how well it does, and I feel like half the stuff you'd end up doing that with is just garbage, but... Yeah, true. Right? Do you want a real review, or are you giving me stuff to say it's great, even though it's not? Yeah, we, we want those honest reviews. Right? I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I think people have seen that by now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. That is true now we can thank the listeners well listeners thank you all for checking out this video this episode of manny talk shooting with tanfo timmy this was number episode i think 28 28 27 i can't, I can't keep track anymore i'll find out in editing but anyways till next time guys get out and do the things we'll catch you on the next one